There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's happening, people? Welcome to another episode of It's All Blackademic with me, your host, Jordan Jarrett Bryan. We've got another fantastic show this week. We've been discussing cancel culture on this week's show. But just before we get into the show and I introduce my guests for this week, another reminder that the Blackademic shop is open, open for business, blackademic.com slash merch to go and get your, your hoodies, your t-shirts, we've got face masks, we've got bags and a whole lot more. So go check out our shop and go and look dope because these tops are dope. So I want you guys to look dope as well. So go and go to blackademic.com slash merch shop and go and get yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie. Okay, so on this week's show, we're talking council culture. All right, and to do so, I'm joined by another fantastic uh, trio of guests here today. I've got, first of all, uh, Jedze Machai here, who wrote uh, a piece for Cambridge University uh, titled The Anti-Blackness That Underpins Cancel Culture Row. I've also got from the States a couple of guests. First of all, Ernest Owens, who is an award-winning journalist, who says that cancel culture is something that people only want to cancel because they don't want to be criticized. So I want to get into that as well. And my third guest is from New York in the States as well. We have here Options Gang Carl, who you may recognize from the YouTube cultural show, Grapevine, who cover a variety of different subjects as well. And I've seen a lot of his work on there and beyond too. Guys, is everybody nice? Everybody happy? <laughs> yeah, man, it's gonna be here. Good, yeah. good, good. Thank you very much you for having joining me, guys. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, so first of all, I'll outline for those that are watching this show that maybe don't know what cancel culture is. I'm sure most do, but just in case that anyone watching that doesn't know what it is, I'll try and summarize as briefly as I can. Cancel culture is when a person or a corporation or an organization uh, says or does something which is problematic or offensive to another group of people, and thus they want to figuratively end that person or organization be it professionally, financially, or culturally. They want to just rid that person or organization from existence because of what they've said or done. I think that in 10, 15 seconds is a, a general idea of what council culture is. Um, they want to be canceled. Um, so th that's what council culture is. Um, let me start by asking uh, you, Carl, um, or everybody, but I'll start with Carl. Who's for council culture and who's against it? Uh, I think that's a nuanced question. I think it started off as a tool that uh, people, I guess, on the left side of this political spectrum started to use. Um, Trump actually mastered it and kind of uh, spun it right back on their heads. So at this point, um, you know, cancel culture is a tool just used by, politically it's used by both sides equally at this point. Um, socially, uh, since, you know, social media is controlled with more of a uh, liberal progressive uh, ideology, uh, most of the cancel culture you see applied on social media, you know, usually coming from, you know, that side of the spectrum. But at this point, it's, it's, it's a tool that's used by both sides and it's gotten to the point where it's so uh, oversaturated that it doesn't even have the efficacy, efficacy that it once does at this point it's really like it's nothing at this point i was gonna uh, respond to you jordan by saying i found it interesting in your um definition of it or introduction of it that you didn't um mention the online phenomena of council culture and i'm glad carl mentioned that because i really do think when we have 
discussions about cancel culture, we really have to emphasize that it's, well, for me anyway, I've seen it more as an online phenomena. I, I thought, oh, sorry, yeah, are, are you yeah. for or against it, Chitza? So in terms of how I feel about cancel culture, I think that the way in which we talk about it in the mainstream, I, I think it doesn't exist. So I'm neither for or against it. And I feel that the the way that people understand it in mainstream discourse, I think it's very um, isolated from its origins, which is very much rooted in in the way we're talking about it in the contemporary time in stand twitter and online phenomena so i don't know if anyone disagrees or um has had a different experience of that yeah i'm, I'm personally for um the notion and the inspiration behind council culture but i think that the term and what council culture what it is versus how people define it are two different things essentially the roots of council culture is an idea of boycott and it's rooted in free speech expression people um, who often share their free views and values about what they don't support, oftentimes rooted behind something that they deem to be problematic, harmful, racist, bigoted, you name it. And they are basically taking a stand. And oftentimes those in favor of um, this quote-unquote council culture is oftentimes the most marginalized or vulnerable in that situation. And so it's oftentimes them speaking up against the, the powerful. I think the term council culture the actual word, I think, is used as an avalanche and as a, as a fear tactic to scare people from actually doing what council culture often entails, which is this idea around free speech expression, boycott, protest, and the things and the radical things that's been happening for a long time. Someone would arguably say that the 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 1960s civil rights movement was rooted in council culture and the fact that they were you know, taking a stand against a lot of the boycotting of racist establishments. The far, you know, right at that time and the white supremacists would have said it was council culture for black activists back then to want to do away with their, um, you know, bigotry and whatnot. And I think a lot of that essence is still seen in today in the political spectrum of how people frame council culture and when they use the word council culture and who they talk about and who they reference but essentially, it's about holding the speaking truth to power and holding accountability. Yo, with, with all due respect, man, that's like that's straight BS, man, and it's kind of disrespectful to even kind of compare the civil rights movement to this uh, BS cancel culture that we got going on. I mean, cancel culture—you to even compare like the civil rights boycott to what people do now. People use cancel culture to cancel fucking. TV stars and movie celebrities, uh, actors, stuff like that. You got a person like Joe Biden whose name is on every single crime bill for the last 30 years. He's the Democratic nominee for president. Like, what can't, like, this is like, that's BS, man. Cancel culture is like, now at this point, it's a commodity, bro. Do not, you cannot even compare it to anything like anything that took place in the civil rights movement. I will actually challenge that. I think the problem is, is that too many people focus on council culture as being this minute thing right like they rooted they reduce it to celebrities but it's bigger than celebrities i think that those people who are distracted by a lot of the conservative media and the right-wing media they want to make it a pop cultural phenomenon when it's actually bigger than that uh, when you look at the cancellation of r kelly um you look at the me too movement there was a bigger message that was happening there but people have used it and called it council culture, right? So when people talk against sexual harassment in the workplace, when people talk about why they don't support homophobic establishments like Chick-fil-A, people still put that under, under quote-unquote council culture, but that is actually rooted in the same activism and pro-LGBTQ rights activism, pro-Black activism, and, and, and pro-women activism that had already been taking place, except that people found a new buzzy word to then combine everything. So the sad part is, and, and what, I will, what I will want you to understand is that I think people are conflating the petty infightings and the pettiness that's always happened in protest culture to some default with the larger movement work. And what's sad is that we're seeing in a political climate like right now in the Trump era, these things are all being conflated together when actually 
these things have been going on before, but we just didn't have this fancy word council culture behind it. I want to know, real quick, real quick. I just got to tell you one simple okay. fact. Malcolm X could not exist by y'all standards today. Detroit Red could not go through that transition and become Malcolm X. You guys would not give him the grace to become Malcolm X. You would not allow him to elevate himself, to elevate his mind and become the person he became. And the simple fact that that can't happen right now shows that is, this is, is, is not, that, oh, is, 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 is that is that fair, Carl? Because even back then, there were people that were challenging Malcolm X. And if Malcolm X was in was around today, you might get some people exactly. that might think his views and his, his no, opinions no. were extreme. But you also might get some people that want to want to hear what he has to say. Is, is that is that, a, is that a real fair statement to make? Uh, like I said, people were going to get challenged within er every era. I'm not disputing the fact that there's going to be segments of the black community that would have been challenging his thoughts. I'm not disputing any of that. You still had the separation between the nation and Islam and him. These dynamics still would have existed. But for the simple fact is that you would not have allowed Malcolm X to become a civil rights leader based on his history if you apply it to 2020 standards. It's a fact. That's not true. That's not she, true. Malcolm, I mean, you look at Emma, hey, he was considered a terrorist um, and he was put on the terrorist now. list. People tried to counsel him. No, that was then. He was put on the terrorist list. Mal this is Martin Luther King Jr. in the 60s. So he was arguably considered someone that people want to counsel. It depends on who you, what standards, but that nuance has always been there. And I think the problem is, is that when you are applying that to, again, celebrities, who, 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 which, which person has been counseled that is a current activist that has not been challenged. I mean, when you look at certain people, certain people who've been out from D. Ray to Sean King, those individuals arguably have been criticized, but are they counseled? I mean, are these people really being canceled though? Like who's actually being canceled? I mean, everybody says council culture, but who actually has been canceled and who has should have not been canceled that did get canceled? So first of all, do, first of all, do you agree with with Carl's earlier statement that if somebody like Malcolm X was around today, we wouldn't have given him a chance? And also, what other black undertones that live within council culture for you? So I believe listening to this conversation right now, I think that there are I think both of you are correct in that because council culture has become so vague and broad and such a catch all phrase. It encompasses uh, what you're talking about, about harassment and people not being allowed to have voice. And it encompasses genuine criticism. And so I think that's where the confusion lies with the way that people are talk uh, understanding and coming to grips with cancel culture. I wanted to go back to the idea that its roots lie in the civil rights movement. And I... I recall that Lisa Nakamura, I hope I'm saying her name right, a professor in race and digital media at the University of Michigan called it a cultural boycott. And I would agree in with it being a cultural boycott insofar as it's an alternative that enables masses of people to enact change, especially um, when for the disenfranchised, so many of the formal causes of justice, and we've seen this, especially now, mm -hmm. um, are not kind of serving us. And so this is just like a way to enact some form of justice on the internet. And then this is where I think the history gets a bit muddled. Um, for me, the timeline then is that in December, 2014, the phrase you're canceled was used on love, love and hip hop. And then on black Twitter, it became um, disseminated by Black Twitter. And so I've seen it evolve from a casual discussion quip into something that is criticizing celebrities. But I think so much of that has to do with Stan Twitter. And because I think so much has to do with Stan Twitter, I think the actual and real conversation we ha need to have is about celebrity culture then. And so going back to the Malcolm X question, I think it depends on on how we're thinking about celebrity cultural influences and activists in the 21st century. And I think just because of how toxic celebrity and influencer culture is currently, and it roots back um, into a discussion about capitalism and these people being commodities that are easily replaceable. And so then when they can't be sanctified 
we can just dispose of them. I think that's where the crisis comes in. It's about how we're looking at celebrities and how we're, we're trying to kind of navigate these questions of um, forgiveness or moving on from things or acknowledging the past within these public figures. And I don't, I think it's all a mess. I don't, so that's why I'm listening to this. I'm so, like. So what, so what does counterculture guys look like? If, if, you know, just give, give me a real time example or, or you know, of what, what it looks like and where, where it has happened, where someone has done or said something and they have been canceled. So cancel culture in its, in its most optimal form only works for one group of people as evidenced with the situation with Nick Cannon. Black people do not have that level of cancel culture power. And so if you want to see like optimize, like the true, what people probably want cancel culture to do, it's reflected clearly in the situation that happened with Nick Cannon. Now, black people can't even try to list an example where they've uh, executed that level of power in quote unquote cancel culture. So, so, so Carl, Carl, expand a bit that's more on, on Nick Cannon and that situation. I just, I just want Carl to kind of expand, extrapolate the Nick Cannon situation and how that maybe should have played out. Well, you know, I don't know how, how open you guys are on your channel. You know, I don't want to get you guys pulled off YouTube or anything, you know what I'm saying, by keeping it all the way, all the way funky. But um, let's let's be honest, the uh, the wise Ashkenazi people um, have uh, influence. They have influence over a lot of the media. They have influence a lot of, over all of the distribution channels of most of the content that we consume. They have ownership positions in all of the social media companies that we uh, utilize. I mean, even the, the thought of a trending topic to even think you have control of that is kind of hilarious. I mean, you have control of it to some degree, but you could tweet about something as much as you want. If they don't want it to trend, it's not going to make that trending list. So, 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 to cut you, Carl. so you're saying essentially black people don't amass enough power to be able to counsel someone even if they wanted to. Absolutely not. I mean, I mean, look at look at when they oh, said they were going to boycott Gucci. How many how many brands? And look at you know what the perfect example is. Look at Chick Fil A, a brand that is undeniable in their stances. They have, like have strictly conservative views. You know, they're against uh, gay marriage. The brand is unapologetic in their views, and black people cannot stop fucking with it. Like it's literally one of the top franchises in the country to own. So again, you, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, just show me the example, but now black people have never exhibited that level of power in canceling anything. First of all, there isn't a black led movement to boycott uh, Chick-fil-A. That's being done mostly by um, the LGBTQ community, which includes some black people, of course, in it, of course, but it's not a black led initiative. But examples of, of when we did, right, um, you can look at Don Amos, who was that racist radio um, anchor who went on and said nappy-headed hoes describe black women and how he got taken off the air. You can look at, um, you know, R. Kelly and how black women specifically had led the mute R. Kelly movement that then led to a document that was surviving R. Kelly and how R. Kelly has now been put in serious um, accountability for his behaviors after 20 years of people ignoring that and letting that slide. You can look at the new two. But, but, sorry, 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 Ernest. Sorry, Ernest. Uh, uh, Ernest, sorry, just to kind of push back on that. I don't know about recently, but up until maybe a year ago, I was still reading that he was still making money. He was still, he was, his streams were still online. So I'm not so sure, even with what we do know now, if R. Kelly was actually but, canceled, but, but, even then. No, but it's he just, not. R. Kelly just got arrested. He never got canceled. No but, the, no, but the point we have to understand is what does cancel mean? Like we live in the culture where there's no one who's been absolutely counseled from anything. I mean, but the, at the end of the day, this man is being held accountable to a high degree. So I think this whole thing around counsel, like what does that look like to you all? I think some of you all don't what understand. Like to me, counsel looks ask like- Ask Nick Cannon, just like ask Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon's not held, I mean, look, Diddy is offering- Ask Nick Cannon how Cannon just looks he lost like. The contract. So, but, uh, but R. Kelly got taken off his label. So you, you, you can't, you see the issue is, okay. is that there are still people supporting Nick Cannon. Oh, Kelly still owns his masters. Yes, Let me finish what I'm saying. At the end of the day, that's the problem. You're trying to say Nick Cannon is completely canceled. He is not. 
Nick Cannon still has support. Diddy is offering him a TV opportunity. He has not lost um, the other show that he's doing on network TV, which is, I think, America's Got Talent or The Mass Singer. He's not losing those digs. He lost the, the, the you know, while and out, but he didn't lose the other deals. So he's not completely canceled. And so that's the oh, point. Right, like, so let me, let's really get let, let me, the fact that this let, let me bring in, is, is nuanced. It's not completely taken off. I want to I I bring in Chetza here. So for those that don't know, we have here in the UK um, an, an artist, musician, an MC called Wiley. There was a big controversy about a month ago where Wiley made a series of tweets and posts where he made some very general, offensive, and many will say, um, anti-Semitic um, comments about the Jewish community. There was a huge backlash from, from, from what he had said, and he was very, very quickly taken off, I believe, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and now Facebook. He's basically been banned and taken off, off of uh, social media. We have other social commentators here in this country um, that Chieta will be aware of, some politicians, a former as well, that have said also some racist things against the black community, the Muslim community. These guys have not been taken off social media. They haven't had their platforms taken away. And if they have, it took years to get to that space. Um, I want to ask Chieta here, what do you think about that and the difference in how Wiley as a black person was treated and if you like, canceled, and the difference between other, other people who have said equally offensive things? Well, I think this is, I think that would be an example I would use about why cancel culture doesn't exist in the way everyone thinks it does anyway, because cancelling mm -hmm. is inconsistent all across the board. Like, and I know mm -hmm. Ernest and Carl are um, arguing about um, R. Kelly and uh, Nick Cannon, but even in those examples, it's never unanimous. And so that's where it, then the question comes back of what is cancelling and what are we talking yeah. about? And I feel like with mainstream discourse, are we just talking? I think so much of the conversation seems um, like distraction for me. And I think um, there's something kind of ominous about, like you were saying with them, the Wiley situation, not that I condone what he said, but in terms of like keeping the same energy and um, then other high profile people in positions of power not being held to account for the things they do. So I think the way that it's, um, wielded to kind of shut down people from uh more oppressed groups can be problematic but i think it's just there there are just so many inconsistencies to keep up with the conversation i think and that's why i just don't believe that i i just don't believe it exists in the way that we think it yeah. does yeah i think that i think that i agree i think that council culture and the way that people have hyped it does not exist because of the fact that, like, like has been mentioned before, it's inconsistent. What it means to be canceled, you know, is more nuanced and complicated than people want to admit. I, I believe that the, the motivations, the drives um, that has prompted council culture, what is being often labeled as council culture, I think some of those things do carry strong value and merit. And so I do think that some of the virtues and the values behind what people are oftentimes mischaracterizing as council culture on this big wide umbrella, I think that those things are strong, right? The accountability metric, the right for the vulnerable and for people to decide whether or not they want to support something or not. I think that that is fair. I think people should. I think people should be able to say, you know what, I don't like this because it's homophobic. And if they want to rally up other people with like-minded ideas to say, we don't want to support this in a capitalistic society and world, you know, you should blame capitalism for that, right? Because arguably, that is how consumer, anyone who's playing a consumer game, that's really what is rooted in, is, is rooted in clout, money, um, people being able to access certain things or not, and it determines on that. And I think to the people who are so, you know, kind of, you know, counter that, what are your alternatives for accountability metrics? Where do you draw the line on behavior that clearly is then being addressed by other institutions that are supposed to be empowered to do this. And so I feel like this is a, it, you know, council culture as the framework or as the title is messed up, but I think that some of the, the motivations behind it, I think are legitimate and should be, um, you know, protected. Uh, Carl, you had an experience of 
uh, an attempted cancelling, if, if that's probably the right way of putting it. Tell us, tell us a bit yeah. more about about what happened to you. Um, so essentially, uh, you know, a bunch of old tweets were pulled up, you know, tweets that were made in jest, um, and, you know, they were labeled as colorists. Um, you know, people started getting upset at that. They, you know, at that time I was on the show Grapevine TV or whatever. And, uh, you know, people just, you know, started doing the typical outrage shit, you know, demanding apologies, et cetera, et cetera. I wasn't going to apologize. I still don't apologize for them because they were made in jest. It wasn't like, <laughs> like the shit wasn't that serious. And um, I'm back on the grapevine. And during that hiatus when I wasn't on the grapevine, you know, I, you know, I actually helped. Actually, that situation actually propelled my brand and it was I was able to launch my business since then. And um, so honestly, just, just, just before we go any further, Carl. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sorry, Carl. Can you tell us what you said? It was like, it was a bunch of old jokes. The crazy shit was the jokes were from like 2012. Like they looked up like old, old 2012, 2011 uh, jokes. I can't even remember off the top, but it was like back in the day for, I mean, a lot of people haven't weren't on Twitter from like 09 to like 012. Back in the day during that time on Twitter, it was wild. Like dudes used to be cracking jokes about everything. Like everybody, everybody was getting it. Cats was committing suicide on Twitter and people were cracking jokes about dudes doing like live suicides at that point. So it was just like, it was a different era. Like it was a different time. But, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a reason, Carl, while I, while I ask, are, are, you, are, you, are you happy to tell us one or two of what you said? There's a reason why I'm asking. No, anyone who a, a rough, wants it up. A rough like, idea? It was just like shit, like, um, it was just something like, um, I can't even remember none of them, but it was like short jokes on dark skin girls. Like I can't, I really can't remember the exact joke, but it was like, okay, I had so, jokes okay, on light skin. Okay. So, right. So, okay. So, so, okay. So do you, 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 you didn't apologize and you won't apologize for those tweets. Do you acknowledge that they were colorists? If, yeah, if you're going to consider my light skin jokes colorist, and if you're going to consider all my jokes, like if you, anyone who follows my Twitter knows I get it, I'm an equal opportunity uh, distributor. So sure. I get at everybody. I get at Jews. I get at white people. I get at Chinese people. It doesn't matter. Sure, sure. No, no. I, I, I hear that. But it doesn't, uh, so people were offended by those tweets and wanted you cancelled. Do you understand? And do you think, you know what? I understand why they want me cancelled. It was correct that those people wanted me cancelled. I mean, I could, I understand that a lot of people don't have the self-esteem to read a tweet from a stranger and not take it personally. So I guess I can understand why some people react to it. Um, what was the other part that you asked? What was the so, question? No, so I want to just kind of work, I want to work out if you could, if you acknowledge that it was correct, that it's your right to not apologize for it, but it's also correct no, for someone to be offended by what you said. My, my views are very libertarian. Like I, every I, I'm equal opportunity. So the same way, I, it's just it's, it, everything happened. Look, this is perfect. I'm actually glad you asked that. This I have a right to not apologize. They have a right to show their outrage and get at the show. The show had a right to make a decision whether they were going to accept the outrage or keep me on. The show made the decision, took me off. They suffered performance wise for that decision. Retroactively realized they made the incorrect decision. Brought me back on, 
the show was continuing to perform as it should have been performing the entire time if they didn't make that uh, business misstep. So everyone had the right to do everything at every point, which is why. So my my final show, question. Well, which is I just want to clarify, which is why sorry, me yeah, and sorry, the actual producers of the show. Yeah, me and the producers of the show never had any issue between for the entire time because when they made the decision, I understood it was business. We spoke about it. I told them that I wasn't gonna go up and apologize, and they made the business decision. Then they rethought the business decision, and now we're doing business again. So it's like I have no problem. Like freedom, freedom of speech. So my final question. So my final question is this: If so, if you'd have watched an alternative show, a different YouTube show, and someone white had made a joke about black people who wear glasses, gold chains, and black t-shirts, would oh. you have been offended? And would you have wanted that person canceled? I wouldn't watch the show. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, don't think, I don't think people understand how easy it is to not consume content. Like, first of all, I'm a very busy person in general. So a lot of my time is I can't even waste consuming like YouTube shows and bullshit like that. But I just think people act like it's impossible to not consume content the, the, you're not going to get rid of all the racists making content on youtube no matter how stringent they get with their policies people it just they just get masked in different ways twitch streams all these things it's impossible like you just you know, just don't consume content you don't want to consume simple just like well, that's, I, really, that's I, why that's why that's why i did you know again i i said everyone who wanted to cancel me and tried to cancel me they had a right to do it that's fine. If it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. Like that's what it is. Like, but I, it's but not I, that. I think, yeah, I think that you kind of proved the point that I was making earlier about how council culture, what drives and what doesn't, is oftentimes not rooted in the in the morals or the values of what it should be, but also capitalism. Because arguably, you know, you're on this show, The Grapevine, which I've heard of, and it's they've had some really great guests and some very diverse guests and their values and their and their virtues seems to be anti-colorist but you've made some colorist statements that you don't want to apologize for which i you know personally think is interesting i don't know why would you not apologize for them if they don't reflect your current values now i mean if they do if they do reflect your current views now i don't see what would be hard about apologize for something you did in the past if you regret them but i guess you don't regret them i guess Possibly you still hold those same views, which is interesting why you would still be on the show. But I think the answer for that would be that it's rooted in capitalism because like you've acknowledged, the ratings took a dive when you were gone. And so they wanted to keep you on because of that, which is the same reason why people like the R. Kelly's, the Nick Cannons, and those people who do problematic things don't necessarily get taken off or canceled as much as we think they are because at the end of the day, what value they hold outside of their content or what they've done oftentimes keep them there the most powerful people or people of influence often don't ever actually get canceled because they hold power money and wealth in other ways brett kavanaugh is not canceled he's still at the supreme court despite many people protesting and asking for him to step down and so what we've learned here is that why council culture to me doesn't exist is because there's so many metrics of power money influence that will keep a cushion on people's butts despite everything that should prevent them from. And I think your situation is a textbook example of why cancel culture and why it makes no sense because you're protected by your influence and by the power that you hold to ever not really be truly held accountable for any of the things that you said that were problematic. I think, again, the idea of accountability as well is messy. So I hear Ernest talking about uh, apologies and then Carl, on the other hand, doesn't really feel the need to apologize and i was gonna jump in and say actually something really similar happened in the uk with a bunch of influencers all their tweets got exposed and um, a lot of the youtubers that people watch that have very big platforms were exposed for having um, colorist views and so i think an essential part of the conversation about cancel culture also needs to ask what is an apology and especially because we live in an era where we have these notes app apologies that come up when someone's exposed for something and we have the influencer apologies um crying i believe um james charles was uh filming a mm -hmm. reality tv show for his thing on snapchat i believe and he had the people that were on there um simulate their influencer apologies and so i think that was really a glimpse into how once someone is called out for what they've done um 
how much, how far can an apology go when some people will see, may feel that the apology is there to kind of just evade the heat. And we don't know as well if the apology is genuine. And so I think that's where cancelling just becomes like a personal tool because it really is about you choosing, like Carl was saying, choosing to divest your time and energy and resources from a person or an entity. And I think that's where it can be more powerful. But I notice that we often talk about cancel culture in the terms of the person being canceled rather than the people kind of, when we talk about the person being canceled, it's very much so empathetic and understanding. But when we talk about the people enacting the canceling, it's very much so like, um, you know, uh, the PC gone mad and the left's gone mad and, and kind of this like, um, so Scary, so talk, like, so, so talk on that. I just wanted to hear from us, Chetso, in terms of talk about the people that jump on that bandwagon, for want of a better word. What, what, what do you think about if something happens, someone says a tweet, oh, we're not going to shop here anymore. Oh, we're gonna, we want to get you off, the, off that particular show. What do you think of the, the people then off the back of that that jump on that wave and, and, and push that agenda? I think, well, watching the influencer stuff in the UK unfold, a lot of it did seem like, um, I said this in a YouTube video, I don't know if you guys have seen The Lion King, but you know when the hyenas find Simba, I believe, a lot of it, yeah. that, that energy on the TL that morning, it just felt like people were out for blood, if that makes sense. And so I really, I think it's a, in an interesting way, and that's why we have to like very much so root it in uh acknowledging that it's a very online phenomena where i don't know if it's just because um people i don't know i don't know if, what about social media creates that kind of frenzy um to jump on that but i think definitely if we're separating the conversation about people choosing to divest their own personal time and energy into someone or something it's very much so di different from people online kind of um doxing someone and then that's where i was saying that this council culture thing is just so broad and vague that we're not actually kind of we're not it's it's stopping us from having real conversations about everything unfolding so yeah go on carl you want to pick up yeah so just to clarify the only like i said only one group has the power to exhibit cancel culture and the little bit that Nick Cannon has left, he definitely had to grovel on his knees and beg for that. He had to retrace everything he said, had to bring a rabbi on to Cannon's class doing a whole, uh, you know, hour and a half of, you know, licking kneecaps. So there was a lot of stuff he had to do to even keep whatever little bit that they left him with. So when you talk about like in the terms of black people, again, because we don't have that type of economic power and or fortitude, we don't have the power to truly exhibit cancel culture. So how it does manifest in, uh, like she said, it manifests in these like, these like little social media frenzies and it works on people like say a person that um, wants to be famous or wants to be accepted within that community. You know, they can't afford that hit, hit on their uh, uh, reputation. So it may work on them. It may work on a person who has a full-time job and, you know, can't afford for the identity to uh, be released, you know, along with those tweets. But for anyone who has their own income streams, anyone whose influence isn't dependent on uh, conforming to mainstream culture, a person like Dave Chappelle is a perfect example of someone that's not really cancelable. They'll write as many think pieces and articles as they want about him, but he's still friends with louis ck he publicly still supported him like you know they that's a dude that he could still do a 50 state nationwide tour today and he'll still be good but again i'm not saying he has the power to get at those same people that nick cannon messed up with but it, it's like it's in stratas you know the, they have the optimal i would say cancel culture and from under there, it just kind of each demographic, I would say probably the LGBTQ community has the second highest power of quote unquote cancellation. And then it just goes down from there. Black people are just down in like the bottom realms of where it's like that social media frenzy. And, you know, they may be able to get an you know, influencer or two to retract their statements, but they can't get like any real politicians out of power. They can't get anyone who's like really affecting their socioeconomic status on a day to day level 
you know, out of their situation. They could maybe get a celebrity or two, but again, that's what it's limited to. And that's why it's a joke. So not true. <laughs> it's not true. It's, it's, it's a very ahistorical, ahistorical um, viewpoint, because again, I think a lot of it is rooted in capitalism. I mean, essentially, you're, you, you, what you're not understanding when you're making Dave Chappelle, I mean, you're a, a textbook example of someone who in your own realm with people have shown that it, it doesn't even have to require money. What seems to be the, the parameters of protection is cishet straight men. I mean, just basically cishet men. Um, and then there's, of course, levels about whether you're black, whether you're, you know, older or younger, but there tends to be more of those individuals, I mean, you know, that are protected. I mean, women get canceled left and right. I mean, Kanye West is still being protected. Like, Kanye West is not being canceled. So Kanye West is a rich, straight man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, black or white, you name it. I mean, you look at Travis Scott. I mean, his streaming is going down for shooting Meg Thee Stallion in the foot. But, you know, one would argue, could he still be protected? 6 9 has a sexual harassment and abuse rap sheet on him, but he still got the number, he has had one of the number one songs in the country. I really think that it's really rooted in identity. Whoever is the less vulnerable is often the most protected across spectrum. And I, I think the people you've named, a lot of them are holding power within their identity, holding power within resources, and holding those types of powers within their communities, which protects them from this type so of community. Um, type of accountability. What about when Jeffrey Star can't get canceled? What about when you have all these gay influences that are white men, that are gay men, yeah, white and men. They, they aren't, they're not protected. They're right. protected, I mean. What, what do you yeah, have right. about a situation? Right. Like, hold on, what do you have about a situation with Kamala Harris, who's a, a, who's a career prosecutor, who has, been, who has evidence of protecting the police, who's ignored uh, situations like, um, I think, what's her name, Matrell Robinson, uh, a black woman whose body was found, who was arrested by the police and her body was found uh, a couple miles away from the precinct. Nobody knows what happened. It was found cut up, even to the point that even a couple weeks after they, quote unquote, did the investigation, her mother went to visit the site where her body was found and still found a finger there. But yet still, Kamala Harris wasn't felt that the, the information wasn't compelling enough to do an investigation. And they dragged it out until a point where the statute of limitations wouldn't have even applied for them to even investigate the police office. That's a black woman. I That's come, a black straight woman. Sorry, Carl. I, I want to come to politics in just a minute. I'll wrap on that. But I want to just come back to Ernest and then I'll come to you, Jetsa. You, Ernest, was someone that believes that Adele should be cancelled. Am I right in saying that? No. Never said that. You don't think I she should be canceled? That I, I, I don't think she should be canceled. And I've never said she should have. My critique simply was is that people have to, I mean, acknowledge the double standard in that moment when people were celebrating Adele's Bantu not. But at the same time, would be, we still live in the United States in a country that Black women have to push a thing called the Crown Act, which they're asking for non-discrimination for wearing their natural hairstyles. And so we live in a world where white women like Adele can wear bantu knots, Kim Kardashian can wear cornrows, and people can call that trendy and hot. But black women wear those same natural hairstyles to embrace themselves. And they are often, you know, arguably canceled from getting job interviews, from being viewed as attractive or being um, respected um, in mainstream. And so I was just simply calling out the double standards and that the fact that Adele really utilized her white privilege in that situation to, you know, wear this um, style. I understand the context of Notting Hill. I understand all of that, but at the end of the day, there's ways to appreciate cultures without having to do the most. Just like you can, you know, wear a costume, an Obama costume, without putting on blackface. Um, Chieta, what I want to ask you now, do black people need to just focus a little bit less on wasting time in talking about celebrities and rappers and actors and canceling these people? And using that same energy to counsel the politicians who are affecting everyday black people's lives in in ways that are more tangible more significant um i think part of the cancel counseling um tool is that it is more accessible in terms of um celebrities and influences i'm i mean counseling politicians 
Um, I guess the only way we could do that is by voting, but I guess because there are so many more layers of power in that, it's quite difficult to access in terms of having um, any power over that through counselling. Um, I think, personally, I think that black people need to uh, turn their attention to the fact that, so for me, what was puzzling about the whole council culture um, conversation um, is that I'd also followed um, the word woke closely. And so for me, it seems that all these words or phrases that are um, kind of popularized in AAVE are then disseminated over the internet and then co-opted and misappropriated. And for me, I think that that's where the issues lie about how um, language that is commonly commonly used amongst black people. For me, cancelled was just like, I can even like, I could say like, um, 2020 is cancelled. Like, for me, it was just such a, um, a casual um, discussion quiz. And for it to kind of like flow into this kind of socio-political um, row, for me, is quite taking, like, like, it takes me, like, I'm taken aback. And so, for me, what is more important to focus on is that process of terms that are being used within um, black uh, popular culture and AABE that are being co-opted and misappropriated in mainstream discourse. I think there's something very like ominous happening within that process. And I feel like if we turn our gaze to that, um, we, we could answer a lot more questions about kind of relation with within power dynamics and kind of get to the root of actually what's going on yeah if that makes sense sure and, and Carl, do we just need to replace the word cancel with accountability is this more about when someone says something or does something that we as black people feel is harmful to us or to our culture mm -hmm. it's about holding them accountable rather than making up noise on twitter on instagram and talking about council culture is it more about finding methods and ways in um, harming those who are harming us, whether that's politically, financially, or culturally? Real accountability starts with self, right? So the same way how I said that people have the choice to consume or, or, or not consume whatever negative content they, they choose, they have the same power to uh, fund and elevate whatever content that they want to choose to, to enjoy. So like a program like this, even programs like The Grapevine, these are programs like, you know, a program like The Grapevine operates off of Patreon subscriptions, right? So they're living off of that. If my inclusion on the show were, 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 was detrimental to that subscription base, they wouldn't include me on there. Therefore, you have to start associating the people that are doing these social media trends with the actual people that actually contribute to the bottom line. So accountability starts with self. If you want to be accountable to politicians, then you actually have to go out and be a person that votes. You can't just tweet about politicians all day. You actually have to take part into the process. If you're a person that wants to hold a program that you see on YouTube, like the Grapevine Accountable, for putting me on it, what you got to do is take your dollars away. But chances are, which always happens, because even when people tweet me, I always my first response is always tweet me uh, your Grapevine subscription. And if they tweet it, I, the first thing I do is give them their money back because it's like, you know what, here's your money back. Like, so the, the point, the reason why I ask is because 99% of the people don't have a Patreon subscription. So that's where the accountability starts from. Like you people have to spend their time, their money, their resources, their energy on the things that they want to see promoted into the world and remove it from the things that are counterintuitive to whatever morals or values that they hold. So it also means that if a brand's values don't align with yours, you don't go shop there. You go shop somewhere else. But a lot of people aren't willing to make that sacrifices. People are, are, are against child slave labor, but you're not ready to put down your iPhone. You're not ready to put away your Nikes to, to be that hard, you know, to be that uh, 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 consistent with your moral standards. So, you know, there's a whole, and this is the, the basis of why cancel culture is bullshit, because there's just so much hypocrisy behind it. Like people, people act like people can't grow. People tr uh, act like they're on this moral pedestal, because that's what usually happens. The people that are canceling other people 
eventually when you look into them, you find out they have some skeletons in their closet that, you know, they need to be held accountable for. So I think people need to take a, a de-plug from social media one, uh, take a step back into real life, see how real things operate in the world. And if you want to hold uh, people, brands, companies, whatever you call it accountable, it starts with yourself. And it starts with what you put your energy, time, and money into. Um, listen, guys, thank you very much for that discussion. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, interesting hearing the wide breadth of different views. Um, and from the get-go here in Chetza, kind of kick off with the fact that she doesn't think it's a real thing. It's a myth. It's not actually a real thing. I find that quite interesting as well. And your reasons, um, I, I definitely hadn't thought about as well. So listen, Carl, Jetsa, and Ernest, thank you very much for your time and coming on. It's all Blackademic. I appreciate your time. Uh, don't forget, subscribe you. if you haven't already to Blackademic TV. Check out our website, blackademic.com. Go check out the merch shop, blackademic.com slash merch and go pick up a t-shirt. And leave your comments below. Any comments and thoughts you have regarding council culture, if you think it's a way of holding people accountable or if it's just temporary noise on social media and just distract from what the real thrust of the issue is, let us know in the comment section below. Give your reactions, any of the guys' um, opinions and views there as well. Until next time, look after yourself, look after the people then. Peace. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.